It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented today by FantasyPoints.com because that is who Joe Dolan works for, a partner of, whatever. And we love FantasyPoints.com. The season's happening. I don't know if you guys noticed, every team kind of played a game already. So get on board with FantasyPoints.com. Use the code FEAST, all caps. You get a little discount. You get all of the knowledge dropped by Joe and the cast of millions at FantasyPoints.com. And you get a chance to get this week's free Madden code that I will announce on Friday's Ross Tucker football podcast. But you got to send it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com with either the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you put in the code Ross, or FantasyPoints.com, you use the code FEAST. I keep mentioning this guy named Joe. If you're new to the show, that's probably very confusing. His name is Joe Dolan. He is one of the best fantasy analysts in the business. I didn't even send this to you yet, Joe. I took a screenshot. But on our private Slack channel for the Tuckheads, people that are patrons of the show, mm-hmm. patreon.com slash rtmedia, they all were singing your praises. There's like five posts in a row. I guess at some point I mentioned Evan, and they were like, dude, you got to stop mentioning Evan. Joe's awesome. By the way, if I mention Evan, it's not a slight to Evan's uh, really no. good at what he You're does. friend. Yeah, Evan's really good at what he does. Joe is really good at what he does, which is why I've been loving these shows. Check out Joe on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL pretty much across the board. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Go to any social media platform, type in Ross Tucker NFL, good things will happen. That's that's pretty much the answer. At Ross Tucker Pod is where we're at on Twitter and Instagram. And, Joe, let's get right into it, man. There's no reason to mess around. We want to start with Thursday night football. It's the Bengals. It's the Browns. I guess we got to start with the Browns. Pretty Mm. disappointing performance against Baltimore. Uh, What does that mean for you in terms of Browns? And, by the way, the Bengals' defense actually looked pretty good against the Chargers. So what does it mean for you for – all the various Browns people have in their lineups. So first and foremost, Ross, I just finished kind of doing a read through of some like beat reporters about this game. And I had to take a shower after uh, reading about the Browns. I think you could probably tell if you're watching the YouTube because my face is all flush. It's a little, uh, I guess my shower was a little too hot. Um, But I think one thing we need to point out is that things are never as good or as bad as they seem in week one. And I, I, I think when you, you take the history of Brownsness and you apply it to last week, everybody's just like, oh, my God, here we go again. Here we go again. It's going to be a problem. However, I think drawing Baltimore in week one was just the level worst matchup for Cleveland. Um, I understand the concerns with Odell Beckham. I understand the concerns with Baker Mayfield. But I think they're going to have a little bit easier go of it this week. And I think it's going to start – 
with the ground game because Geno Atkins probably isn't going to play with the shoulder injury. Uh, the Bengals gave up 155 rushing yards to the Chargers last week. Uh, I think they're going to try to start this game with Nick Chubb. Uh, he played fewer snaps than Kareem Hunt last week because they were playing from behind. But I think they're going to try to start this game with Nick Chubb. And they're going to they're trying to run the ball, make things a little bit easier for Baker Mayfield. So I think that's where things are going to start with the Cleveland Browns. Um, thoughts on receivers, tight ends for Cleveland. Njoku goes to IR. Does that make any difference for you? Well, uh, Jarvis Landry is still dealing with the hip injury. Um, I, we haven't gotten a full practice report from Wednesday, but he didn't play, uh, practice on Tuesday, which is kind of concerning for me. I wonder if he's just getting like a rest day. The other concern I have for the Browns is how banged up their offensive line is. Jack Conklin's missed a couple of practices this week with ankle and I believe a finger injury. Uh, Jedrick Wills, the rookie left tackle out of um, uh, out of Alabama, had to get x-rays on his shin. He's been practicing in a limited fashion. So if there's one area where I think the Browns uh, could, could struggle in this game, it's that one, that one uh, with the offensive line. But again, I just don't think the Bengals, as decent as their offense looked, Last, uh, as deep as their defense looked last week, I just don't think I, I'm going to judge their defense off of one game against Tyrod Taylor and say, whoa, they're better than expected. I think this is still a pretty exploitable matchup. Got it. What about on the other side? Joe Burrow, he missed A.J. Green for a wide-open touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mixon fumbled. Man, the, the Bengals' O-line is rough. Rough. And they, and they had a bad matchup against – the Chargers, but doesn't get a whole lot easier against the Browns. No, the Browns um, still can get some pressure. Obviously, you got Miles Garrett and that talented defensive front. Uh, again, you know the Ravens are the best, uh, one of the two or three best schemed offenses in the entire NFL. It's a tough matchup for any defense. Um, the one thing I would focus on, kind of a quiet Week One game by Tyler Boyd uh, it, it, against uh, the Chargers. I think they've got a lot easier matchup this week. You know, Chris Harris moving inside for the Chargers. Uh, the Browns allowed 191 yards and two touchdowns to slot receivers in Week One. That's the third most yardage and the second most touchdowns. They are still thin at corner. Kevin Johnson with a with a liver injury and Greedy Williams with a shoulder injury are missing practice this week. I expect Joe Burrow to put up bigger passing numbers this week against Cleveland. I I, I truly do. I think it's a good game for AJ Green and especially for Tyler Boyd. Moving on, let's get to some of these Sunday 1 p.m. games. We'll start with Gardner Minshew, Mm -hmm. James Robinson, LaVisca Chenault, and your undefeated Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, they go up against Tennessee here, and and Tennessee really kind of limited Denver offensively. Drew Locke had an up-and-down performance. I don't expect, frankly, uh, the Jacksonville to put a whole lot of points on the board in this one, but Gardner Minshew just continues to surprise. He throws one incompletion. It looked like he was playing against air, and uh, you you made the, the right decision here, Ross, to focus on on. Uh, Minshew, because I think the guys who I'm really interested in playing in this game are LaVisca Chanel on the lower end. I love the way they used him. And of course, DJ Chark. He had kind of a quiet week one, but he did score a touchdown. They only had to throw 20 passes. Now, that was that was kind of a surprise, I think. I think people, um, uh, believe me, survivor pool here, uh, getting eliminated in survivor pools because they expected this to be a negative game flow. So if you expected that to be a negative game flow, 
in that game, you're also looking at um, uh, uh, more pass attempts for Gardner Minshew, more targets for uh, you're looking at more targets for uh, DJ Chark. You're looking at more targets potentially for LaVisca Chanel and another guy who really uh, didn't get uh, didn't get a whole lot of run in that game was Chris Thompson, the running back. Well, I think he's going to be the Jaguars third down back. However, if the Jaguars aren't going to be playing from behind, then you definitely take a look at James Robinson. However, again. Things are never as good as they seem in week one, nor are they as bad as they seem. The Titans are nine-point favorites in this game. That projects to be a negative game flow, which means I think you can consider Gardner Minshew, DFS, maybe a two-quarterback league. Probably don't want to play him just yet in a one-quarterback league, but you could consider him. Um, I think Chenault and DJ Chark are my favorite plays. With the Jaguars' nine-point underdogs, I want to see how they play from behind. I think James Robinson is more of a flex type of option for Jacksonville. On the other side, Titans moved the ball decently, had a tough time kicking field goals, as we all saw. What do you see from them against the Jags defense, which, man, C.J. Henderson, what a debut for a rookie. So, uh, yeah, he had an awesome game. Um, So maybe that's a concern for A.J. Brown here, who did not have a great game in week number one. Meanwhile, Corey Davis goes nuts. Uh, I'm not going to freak out just yet about Corey Davis. Uh, We have seen him flash in the past, but definitely keep him on the radar, especially in deeper leagues. Maybe you wanted to pick him up this week. Um, Nor am I panicking about Derrick Henry, by the way. Uh, I I think I mentioned on last week's podcast that the Broncos uh, managed to hold Derrick Henry to his worst game of the 2019 season. And I mean... uh, you're going to take three catches for 15 yards and 116 yards rushing from Derrick Henry any game, even if they're holding him to under four yards per carry. So I'm I'm looking at Derrick Henry realizing this is a Jaguar defense that he has utterly crushed throughout his career. Um, I, I think you remember seeing him go down the field for 90, 90-some uh, yard touchdowns against the Jaguars. Uh, last year, he had a game of 159 yards and two touchdowns uh, late in the season. He had that game. Really, his big breakout game was in 2018 against the Jaguars when he ran for 238 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, I still am not a huge believer in this Jaguar defense. They gave up a ton of production uh, to the Colts running backs last week, even after Marlon Mack went out. I am going to fire up Derrick Henry. I think he's one of my top favorite plays on the entire slate. Uh, And another guy to point out, how about Jonu Smith kind of quietly having a good week one game? He's somebody who I think is on the tight end one radar right now. But downgrade A.J. Brown a little bit. Um, I'm still playing him. Look, C.J. Anderson had a great game, but it was one game. Um, he had a, uh, So I'm downgrading A.J. Brown a little bit. I'm still watching Corey Davis. I am firing up Derrick Henry. And I think Jonu Smith is on the tight end one radar. Ooh, interesting. All right, let's get to Carolina. Joe. They hung listen. tough. Listen, I don't pretend to be a fantasy football expert, but in every best ball fantasy feast ball draft we had, I took one Robert Anderson. Okay. You like me? How you like me now? I said there'd be two or three weeks where he'd catch balls over 100 yards, touchdown. I already got one of them. I already got one of them in the bank, Joe. You did it, Ross. I mean, I thought of you immediately when I saw Robbie Anderson score that touchdown, but I got to admit, overall, I was pretty disappointed with the passing game production of the Carolina Panthers. Even in a game 
when they what they scored 30 points in that game, I was pretty disappointed in DJ Moore's performance. He had a couple of drops, uh, uh, four for 54 receiving. Curtis Samuel is certainly not on the fantasy radar right now. Only four targets for Christian McCaffrey utterly stunned me. Nobody's complaining. He scored two touchdowns. But I'm still saying Teddy Bridgewater, I thought, was going to check it down a lot. Got hurt by some drops. Robbie Anderson's now on the radar. You have to consider that. There is one problem, though. I think this Bucks defense is good. I think it's really good. And I think they gave up the 34 to New Orleans, and Brady's performance is going to overshadow how good I think this defense is. Uh, Drew Brees, maybe it was physical issues. Um, maybe it was Michael Thomas being dinged up, but they really, really slowed down that passing game. This is a, a game where I think you consider Robbie Anderson on the low end. DJ Moore, you're still firing up as a wide receiver, too. Hopefully he cleans up those drops, and you're obviously playing McCaffrey. I hope to get more checkdowns to McCaffrey with the with the Panthers, a seven-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What about Brady on the other side? Yeah. Brady and the Bucks offensively. Mike Evans did end up playing – what did you see from them, uh, the running back rotation? I feel like there's a lot to get to there with the Bucks from a fantasy perspective. This is one reason where I'm saying I probably am not going to panic just yet. Did Brady look old? Yeah, he did. Uh, but it was his first game uh, with, with a new team and a new coach. Take a deep breath. Um, this is a much easier matchup. There's no Marshawn Lattimore to get in Mike Evans' head here. Um, they have Chris Godwin had a solid game. Evans, I think, is a wide receiver three at this point, though, because he only caught the one pass and it was the touchdown at the end. But again, no Marshawn Lattimore. This is a much more exploitable Carolina secondary. There is one thing I am watching, though, in this game. What is the Buccaneers' backfield rotation going to be? Uh, Ross, you know I'm not a Ronald Jones fan. You know, before a meaningless 11-yard carry on the final play of the game, he had 16 carries for 55 yards. That's under three yards per carry. I was not uh, – well, it's over three yards per carry, but under four. I was not overly thrilled with his performance. However, he did receive 20 opportunities in this game, 17 carries and three targets, and the Buccaneers are six or a seven and a half point favorites. I want to see if Leonard Fournette gets more involved, but you can't play Leonard Fournette after he had five carries for five yards. Ronald Jones is on the RB2 radar this week. As much as I don't want to say it, you have to look at the projected game flow, and he did outperform Leonard Fournette in week number one. So there is a there's somebody you consider there, especially for DFS. Nobody's going to want to play him for DFS, but there's a pretty interesting pathway to success there for Ronald Jones. Chris Godwin, still a hammer wide receiver one. Mike Evans, I think, is more of a wide receiver three. Brady, I think he's a low-end quarterback one. And something else to watch out. The Buccaneers played a lot of 12 personnel. O.J. Howard was clearly the number two tight end on this team. I think he played 52% of the snaps to 77% for Rob Gronkowski. He doubled up Gronk in targets six to three. He had a touchdown. Meanwhile, Cameron Brait played only seven snaps. This is a two-man tight end room right now. And keep an eye on O.J. Howard. Um, I, I think he – I know he's a talented guy. The Bucs are going to love 12 personnel. Probably not playing him in week number two, but he's somebody to keep an eye on for the future, especially if the injuries start to creep up on Gronk again. By the way, they should trade Cam Brake. I mean, yeah. he he would start for some other teams. Like, he's the number three tight end there. What about Denver and Pittsburgh? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to look at Denver and Pittsburgh uh, through the lens of DraftKings 
and make this our DraftKings segment sure. of the show from a DFS perspective. Benny Snell. Mm-hmm. He's only 4,500 on DraftKings. James Conner is still 6,800. And I know Mike Tomlin said maybe he'd play, be able to play. But 4,500 for Benny Snell seems like a steal. I don't care what they say about James Conner. Even before he hurt his ankle, Benny Snell looked better. He had more juice. He's lost 15 pounds. I'm telling you, Benny Snell, Joe, is my value play of the week on DraftKings DFS this week. So here's the thing with Snell. Um, And I think James Conner's injury apparently doesn't appear to be as serious as it could be. Maybe he misses a week or two. But you also, Ross, you raised the right point. Okay, James Conner's in there. You still have to take into account that Benny Snell looked better than him. And the Steelers are going to want to run the football. And they're going to have an opportunity to do that in this game. Though, keep in mind, Denver did a great job on Derrick Henry. I just don't think this is going to be a very high-scoring game because Pittsburgh's defense is awesome. So Benny Snell is going to be in position to to get... 20 carries in this game, I think. And he looked like he had a lot of juice. It would be it would be really helpful, though, if the Steelers get D- uh, David DeCastro back because Zach Banner, the right tackle towards a- a- ACL. So that offensive line is looking problematic right now for Pittsburgh. But Benny Snell, of the three main kind of running backs who were available on the waiver wire this week, and I, uh, that being Benny Snell, Naeem Hines, and Malcolm Brown, I thought Benny Snell Ross had the best opportunity to kind of develop into a true lead back and be a league winning type. I think Naeem Hines has a higher floor. I think Malcolm Brown's going to be part of a rotation. But if you wanted to shoot for the moon and say, this guy's going to be a guy who's going to be in my lineup as an RB2 every week, I thought Benny Snell was that guy on the waiver wire this week. So I'm really interested to see how he performs. However, Still concerned about the fact no catches. He had only one target. Was not a strength of his game. They used Jalen Samuels in that role. If James Conner is injured, are they going to bring Anthony McFarland and activate him? So there's still some questions to work out here. But I agree with you. I project this to be kind of a low-scoring game. Uh, Pittsburgh is a six-and-a-half to seven-point favorite. So um, I think this is a good opportunity for Benny Snell to get 20 carries. But at this stage, I still think he's somebody who needs a touchdown or magically needs to start catching passes uh, if you're going to uh, if, if you're going to get really the, his ceiling performance. Just for context, Jonathan Taylor, 5,700. Naeem Hines, 9,300. Ronald Jones, 5,200 on yeah. DraftKings. Um what about the receivers and tight ends for the Steelers? They got a lot of mouths to feed there, it feels like. Oh, uh, and we had, uh, because we pushed Deontay Johnson heavily at FantasyPoints.com this offseason, we we had angry people in our mention. He lost a fumble, and James Washington gets the touchdown. Deontay Johnson ends up leading this receiving core in routes, snaps, and targets. He got 10 targets. So... I'll take a bad game from Deontay Johnson where he gets 10 targets and has six catches for 57 yards. I thought it was a good sign that they kept going to him. But, of course, Juju Smith-Schuster is the story. Ben Roethlisberger comes back. He catches all six of his targets and scores two touchdowns. Juju Smith-Schuster, fire him up as a wide receiver one at this at this stage. I was taking the discount, the relative discount, 
of three to four rounds on Deontay Johnson later. I still think he's a wide receiver three. Again, he lost the fumble, but he led this the, this Steelers team in snaps, routes, and targets at wide receiver. So I'm still in on him as a wide receiver three. Ben Roethlisberger, kind of a, a lower-end QB. One. That, that Denver defense, even without Von Miller, it really impressed me. They have good safeties, so I don't think this is a great week for Eric Ebron, who had only two targets last week. Um, but Ben Roethlisberger, this Bronco defense did impress me. But at home, with that good receiving core, I think you can fire up Ben Roethlisberger as a QB1. Um, in terms of the Broncos, Philip Lindsay looks like he's out. Uh, KJ Hamler might practice Cortland Sutton. We don't know. They're kind of a injury mess at skill. Yeah. So Melvin Gordon, um, late now, look, this is obviously injuries coloring my perspective here. And you have to take that into account, but Melvin Gordon, I really wish I hadn't pivoted from him in the third round to James Connor a little too much. Um, I, it, Melvin Gordon and, and Jonathan Taylor were my favorite third round running back picks all off season. Um, I wish I hadn't done that with Philip Lindsay getting hurt. Melvin Gordon's in a position to be a hammer bell cow back. Here's one problem. Look at what Pittsburgh did to, uh, Saquon Barkley last week. And look, Saquon Barkley is a unique running back. He's always going to try to go for the big play. And occasionally that will result in a, uh, in a negative play, but he had 15 carries for six yards last week. Um, he caught nine, six passes on nine targets. I think that's where Melvin Gordon's going to have to make his hay Ross this week. I think he's going to have to catch passes. He caught three of them last week. Let's get to the chargers. I'm sorry, the Rams. These new logos are confusing me. The Rams yeah. in Philly taking on the Eagles. I got Cam Akers in our season-long redraft league. Joe, did I make a grave mistake? No, I think he eventually is going to take over this backfield, and I love that the Rams uh, kept going to him. Malcolm Brown outplayed him, though. I mean, let's let's be honest. Um, it's not a great matchup for either of them, though. I think we'll talk about the Eagles' debacle last week, but I think lost in all that is that their defense was really good. Washington scored 27 points. Every time Washington scored a point, it was on a short field. Their drive started in Eagle territory every single time they scored a point in that game. So keep that in mind. The Rams, I think, have a much better offense. But um, uh, I think that Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers, probably both on the RB3 radar. I trust that Philly run defense. Um, Rams receivers. I think you have to play Woods and Cup. Um, I don't know if if Darius Slay is going to shadow in this game because the Rams really do so much with Robert Woods. I think it's probably going to be a matchup thing. Woods had an awesome game. They get him the ball in the run game. Um, I, I And look, I prefer him at this stage to Cooper Cup. This was kind of a, a continuation of the end of the season last year when Woods was consistently out-targeting Cooper Cup. Cup, Cup had a fine game, four for 40 on five targets, but I think Robert Woods is the guy to have here in this um, in this uh, range. And I think Jared Goff, he's kind of a QB too. But again, I was impressed with Philly's defensive performance, because, but it was completely overshadowed by the woeful offensive performance. Um, for the Eagles, it looks like, uh, you know, we record this at noon on Wednesdays. Uh, right. Adam Schefter says Miles Sanders on track to play. And um and so was Lane Johnson and Ross. I'm gonna I'm gonna butter you up here a little bit. I can't imagine that um an offensive line, one single offensive lineman, is this important. I'm sure you're gonna disagree with me. But did you see the stat that the Eagles under Doug Peterson 
are 36 and 17 when Lane Johnson plays and 6 and 12 when he doesn't. Can one lineman be that important? I did not see that stat. That's really interesting. I don't think one lineman can be that important. But there's but clearly a factor there. Lane is very good, and yeah. it, it is clearly a factor. That's It's really interesting. I love to see like the scores of those games and who they played mm-hmm. for a little more context, but that is interesting. And by the way, um, Wentz's numbers plummet when Lane Johnson is not in the game. Now, you also have to take into account uh, there was the six-game suspension for Lane Johnson in Wentz's rookie season when he wasn't putting up big numbers anyway. So take that into account as well. Uh, when you're talking about Lane Johnson, but he's clearly important. Wentz was sacked a career high eight times, and 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 frankly, I think it was I think it was the worst performance of Doug Peterson as the Eagles head coach. Uh, the it, it was like the Eagles are like, hey, we finally got this speed at receiver, so f it, boys, we are going deep. And Wentz has the entire team front in his in his lap all game. Some of the sacks were on Wentz. He made some bad decisions. Um, I think it was interesting that Greg Cosell pointed out, I was listening to him talk to uh, our, our mutual friend, Fran Duffy, and he said he thought the second interception went through was actually on John Hightower, the rookie receiver. But Peterson's throwing comeback routes, a precise timing hitch comeback, whatever you want to call it, and both Wentz interceptions were on comeback routes to rookie wide receivers. And I'm like, one was intended for Rager, the other was intended for Hightower. So I'm looking at this like, Okay, so this is a precise timing route, well played by the defense, not taking anything away from them, with guys who haven't had real game time bullets flying at them. Thought it was bad game plan. I think they need to get Wentz on the move more. I am anticipating, Ross, the Eagle offense bounces back this week. I have a funny feeling. This line, I think the Eagles opened as two and a half point favorites. The Rams are getting hammered right now. I think it's down to one. Um, I have a funny, I talked to my guy Tom Brawley at Fantasy Points about this. I have a funny feeling the Eagles win this game. I, I, it's just, um, they're coming back home. They, they're going to be able to see everything that went wrong. They're going to get Miles Sanders and Lane Johnson back. Um, Rams are going west to east. I think it's a bounce back spot for the Eagle offense. But I also think this is a massive game for, for Zach Ertz. I think the Eagles are going to be more conservative with the passing game. They're, they're, they're going to take their shots to Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson. But I think this is a game to go back to your strengths, move the chains, don't let Wentz get killed, bring Wentz back to basics. And I think the Eagles are going to try to approach this methodically. Another game we need to talk about, Niners at the Jets. Niners, another team with a lot of injuries right now. Yeah, they are getting really bit by the injury bug. And obviously the key one you have to watch is George Kittle. Um, He's going to be up in the air after the hyperextended knee. So uh, be mindful of George Kittle in this game. Um, He played almost every snap last week, but just be mindful. Uh, Do the 49ers approach this and think we're going to be able to beat the Jets, so let's not rush George Kittle? That's the big one. They signed Mohamed Sanu this week. Brandon Ayuk might be back, but this is a really bad receiving core. Probably not touching Jimmy Garoppolo, even with the good matchup. Um, Maybe you trust Kyle Shanahan and you're like, hey, for DFS, I'm going to take the matchup. But if George Kittle doesn't play, all hands are, uh, all, uh, all bets are off here. Raheem Mostert looked phenomenal. He's an RB2. Fire him up. Name to watch for the 49ers, though. And I understand. The air quality was a concern for Tevin Coleman, who has the sickle cell trait, so they didn't play him a whole lot in week one. 
But I was pretty impressed, Ross, with Jarek McKinnon, who had three carries for 24 yards. He caught a touchdown pass. He had eight opportunities. They worked him into that game. Uh, He had 44 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. And I go back to – I read an article in The Athletic, and the four guys who cover the 49ers beat, they all took the over on 550 yards from scrimmage this year for Jarek McKinnon, and they got him involved in week number one, and I think his performance is enough for them to be excited going forward. But right now, especially with Kittle injured, this is it's, for me, it's basically most hurt or bust unless Kittle plays. Um, anything else on the Niners before we get to the Jets? Uh, we don't have much on the Jets either, Ross, to be quite frank. But no, I think the Niners are a pretty, pretty simple team right now. Not a great fantasy outlook for them. All right, Lev Bell's on IR. Mm-hmm. They signed Kalen Balaj. Start him if you have him, right? Just fire him up in every lineup you got. Kalen <laughs> uh, no, I mean, thank you. The Ugh. Jets, honestly, if Jamison Crowder didn't break that one wide receiver screen, that was one of the most inept, pathetic performances. I mean, I guess yeah. other than Jamison Crowder, is there someone in the Jets team to consider? I mean, maybe Prashad Perriman. You might be surprised by this, Ross, but despite Prashad Perriman missing, like, basically all of the end of training camp with knee swelling, he was the only wide receiver in week number one to play 100% of his team snaps. He played every single snap. So I guess that's a good sign for Prashad Perriman, but they also put uh, Denzel Mims on IR. Perriman had just three uh, targets for 17 yards, three receptions for 17 yards, but he did face off against Tredavious White. Um, he will not, uh, the Niners are without Richard Sherman this week. I'm still not playing Perriman. Um, the only two guys I'm considering for the Jets right now, nobody in the backfield. I'm just considering Jamison Crowder and Chris Herndon, and that's it. Let's get to Buffalo at Miami. Buffalo. Josh Allen, man. I mean, he was great. I know he had the fumbles and the bad throw, but he put up a lot of numbers. Yeah, so Josh Allen, um, uh, look, he's going to – it's kind of like what we say with Wentz, right? Like, he's going to do some dumb things. And we'll, and, uh, we'll talk about that when we get to Daniel Jones. He's going to do some dumb things. But for fantasy, I'd rather have a quarterback who's willing to try to make a play and occasionally will do something dumb than a guy who's never going to take a risk like a Sam Bradford or a Teddy Bridgewater. I I would so much rather have the aggressiveness. That's why Jameis was good for fantasy last year, despite the 30 picks. Josh Allen is – I, I just love what Brian Dable's been doing. Um, they, they had him throw – Ross, they had him throw 46 passes in a game they won. They, they were leading from the get-go. And I feel like this was a designed thing where, like – Dude, Josh is cooking. We're going to let him throw the ball, and I wonder if this week is going to be the same. However, there is something to watch. John Brown, who had a big game in week one, is not practicing as of Wednesday with a foot injury. So that's something that has to be monitored. But Josh Allen is a hammer, hammer quarterback one this week to a Miami, against a Miami defense that gave up two rushing touchdowns to Cam Newton. Um. What else for the Bills? Zach Moss score. Talk to me yeah. about the Bills skill guys. Uh, well, I wasn't terribly impressed with either Moss or Singletary, but I think uh, with Devin Singletary, it completely it completely justified my decision to fade him. I was taking Zach Moss at a discount. Let's wait, wait to see how this backfield shakes out, but I think both guys are RB3s at best. Um, keep an eye on the status of John Brown, but Stefan Diggs, wide receiver too. I liked what he did. It is a tough matchup against Miami, though, with those great outside corners. Uh, for Miami, I don't know. wasn't a lot there, Joe. What, nope. what do you have for them? 
Well, Devontae Parker's dinged up. If he misses, Preston Williams is going to get Tredavious White. So no thank you. Don't want to deal with that. Certainly don't want to deal with Ryan Fitzpatrick. This backfield, Jordan Howard is droppable. Jordan Howard played like nine snaps in that game. And I know he scored a touchdown, but he is droppable. The lead back for Miami, Ross, do you know who it was? Do you know who played the most snaps for the Miami backfield? You're going to tell me it wasn't Breida or Jordan Howard? It was Miles Gaskin who played 63% of the offensive snaps. Wow. He is a deep league pickup right now, but I have no confidence in playing anybody on this Miami team in week one. All right, let's get to to Minnesota at Indy. Minnesota put up some numbers. Kirk Cousins throwing Mm. around a little bit. What do you have on the Vikings? That was an embarrassing performance defensively by both of these teams. Minnesota against Green Bay and Indy against Jacksonville. Uh, For Minnesota, they're a narrow fantasy team right now. There are really only three guys you can consider. You can consider Cousins, but Minnesota didn't, even despite that game putting up 77 total points, Cousins threw only 25 passes in that game to 44 for Aaron Rodgers. You're obviously playing Dalvin Cook. You are obviously playing Adam Thielen. I think Thielen's got a shot to lead the NFL in targets. Um, Nothing about that game in week one changed my mind, with the exception of Kirk Cousins' low passing volume. And everybody else I'm watching here, uh, Justin Jefferson was a non-factor in week one. Disappointing for me, Irv Smith was a non-factor in week one. He had just one target. So uh, let's uh, let, let's just watch everybody else. Cousins you can consider maybe for DFS, but you're definitely playing Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. On the other side, the Colts, Marlon Mack, done for the year. Yep. Torn Achilles, we were talking about Naeem Hines and Jonathan Taylor earlier. What's the what's the uh, right way to go there? Well, I think I think uh, Jonathan Taylor is a league winner. Um, I think his talent was on display. And surprisingly, with the six catches for 67 yards. So that was the big surprise for me. Um, Minnesota, here's a player, Ross, and here's a little tidbit. Minnesota gave up three receiving touchdowns to slot receivers last week. Paris Campbell... Came out with six for 71 on nine targets, predominantly playing out of the slot. I love him as a pickup, and I love him for DFS this week against Minnesota, a defense that really struggled with slot defenders. Jonathan Taylor is an RB1. Naeem Hines, I think, is a PPR RB2, RB3, because we know that Phillip Rivers is going to check the ball down. And you mentioned C.J. Henderson from Jacksonville. He put the clamps on T.Y. Hilton. I think T.Y. Hilton, who had nine targets in week one, is going to bounce back against this Minnesota defense that was massively disappointing against Green Bay last week. Detroit is in Green Bay. Uh, Detroit, I don't know if they're going to have Kenny Galladay back or not. Obviously a, a disgraceful choke job at the end from a team standpoint. What about a fantasy stop? I, I wonder. I'm a little worried about DeAndre Swift, man. That was yeah. – That was rough. I hope he bounces back. Yeah, his team rallied around him. But here's the problem with Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson still looks like he can play at a super high level. However, he he does not have high-volume kind of of calorie-rich fantasy touches. I know he caught three passes, but when Adrian Peterson looks good, coaches love him. Coaches just love Adrian Peterson. He's going to continue to get targets. He's going to con- uh, carries. So DeAndre Swift is already climbing uphill. Carryon Johnson is dead. I mean, seven carries for 14 yards. I am not worried about Carryon Johnson when it comes to DeAndre Swift. I just hope the Lions let him gain his confidence back. Apparently, uh, Adrian Peterson pulled him aside, said, dude, 
like it, it happens. Like, don't worry about it. Adrian Peterson knows that. I mean, he he lost a fumble in the NFC Championship game, so he he has come back from that. So I thought that was a good sign. But I don't think you can play DeAndre Swift right now. Anything else on the lines before we get to the Packers? Well, I mean, I, I think Marvin Jones. Keep an eye on Galladay. Hamstrings really really worry me. Um, one thing you have to watch for Detroit, even though. Uh, you can't play him right now, is Quintez Cephas, led the, t- the the rookie receiver out of Wisconsin, led the team with 10 targets. He caught only three of them, but he led the team with 10 targets. So that's a name to watch on your deeper leagues. And a guy who I think can be a veritable league winner is tight end TJ Hawkinson. Five catches for 56 yards and a touchdown on five targets. He is Mr. Week 1. He had a big Week 1 last year and then really didn't do anything, but injuries had a big part of that. Uh, I think TJ Hawkinson is going to become a favorite for Matthew Stafford. What about the Packers? Aaron Rodgers was on fire. I don't know how the Vikings let Devontae Adams carve him up. We know about those guys. What about the running backs and guys like MVS? Yeah, so Rodgers, by the way, I had him as a player to avoid this year. Uh, I discounted the uh, the middle finger he'd want to raise at the organization for drafting Jordan Love, though. He was awesome in week number one. Um, so Aaron Jones, like, you you fire him up. Um, he His snap shares are disappointing. Even with A.J. Dillon playing only, like, six snaps, uh, Jones still didn't play 55% of the offensive snaps. They really got Jamal Williams involved, so that was disappointing. But you have to play Aaron Jones. I mean, you just have to at this stage. Um, when it comes to the wide receivers, I think you can pick up both Valdez Scantling and Lazard. Valdez Scantling's a bigger play, higher reward kind of guy. Lazard, though, Aaron Rodgers came out after the game and he said, You guys know, he said to the reporters, You've covered me long enough to know trust is the number one thing for me when it comes to wide receivers. It's why uh, fantasy Twitter superstar Jeff Janis never got on the field because Aaron Rodgers didn't trust him. Um, but he said, since he saw Alan Lazard in training camp last year, he 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 knew there was something different about him. And he knew that this was somebody I'm going to be able to trust. A- Alan Lazard it should be rostered in every fantasy league right now because if he has that trust from Rodgers, Rodgers will be more aggressive in throwing him the football. Um, let's get to Atlanta and Dallas. I don't know if you heard Monday's Ross Tucker football podcast, Joe, but I, I no longer call them the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. They are the fantasy Falcons. Uh, uh, yeah. Matt Ryan will get his. Julio gets his. Calvin Ridley gets it. Everybody has a good fantasy day, but they lose the game. I mean, it's just that's the Atlanta. When I think of fa- the Falcons, that's what I think of, the fantasy Falcons. Yeah, this is a game where you expect a lot of points to be scored. Um, with Atlanta, all Julio Ridley and Gage all go for over 100 yards on 12 targets. So we have people just utterly panicking about Hayden Hurst. I get it. He goes for three for 38 on five targets. Ross, he led all tight ends in week one in routes run. The opportunities are coming for Hayden Hurst. Seattle has great safeties. Um, you have Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs, okay? Dallas has terrible safeties. I think this is a great matchup for Hayden Hurst. Gurley's a low-end RB2. I, I wasn't terribly impressed with him. Um, uh, but Julio and Ridley, you fire those guys up. Russell Gage is viable in a flex spot. I'm I'm going back to the well with Hayden Hurst against Dallas's terrible safeties this week. Matt Ryan, I mean, I think they're going to have to throw a ton in this game because I think Dallas is going to score, Ross. Yeah, so let's talk. Let's talk about Dallas. Uh, Blake Jarwin out for yeah. the season. Does that make any difference in any way for you? 
Um, yeah, because I think it gives more opportunity to CD Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper. So you raise the ceiling of all those guys. Um, uh, and all three of them are viable. You're definitely playing Cooper and Gallup. And I think Lamb is in consideration for a wide receiver three, especially against this terrible uh, Atlanta defense. Dak Prescott, uh, uh, frankly, if I had all five of these guys, I would probably be starting all five of them this week. Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup. I was I was a little bummed, though, Ross. Did Dallas's offense, like, do anything special to you? I mean, it just kind of seemed like they were going through the motions, like, and, and they were letting the talent try to dictate without doing anything creative. I did not think that was a particularly appealing fantasy performance from them in week one. No, I agree. Um, let, let's get to the Giants and the Bears. Giants, you know, Slayton had uh, some plays on Monday night. They're they're getting Saquon split out a lot. He's running a bunch of routes. They're targeting him. Frankly, they should have just gone empty and thrown the ball every play because Jones was throwing it pretty well, and they could not run the ball a lick. Yeah, so um, I think I think Pittsburgh's defense was the reason for that. Although the Giants' offensive line is not very good, and you know you don't think uh, Chicago's defense is no pushover. So th- the fact of the matter is, though, you fortunately have this decision taken out of your hands. You have to play Saquon Barkley. Okay, I understand he had six, but he caught six passes for sixty yards. You have to play him. You can't do anything else. You took him second overall, and I mean when a guy can put up twelve point six fantasy points when he rushes for six yards. A, number one, that's an argument against PPR. Uh, (laughs) But number two, it just shows you how valuable he is for fantasy. So Saquon Barkley, you got to play him. The only other guy I'm really considering here uh, for the Giants, I think Daniel Jones is viable. Like I said, when we were talking about Josh Allen and Carson Wentz, I like the fact that he tries to make plays. And that's good for fantasy, even if some of those plays go very poorly, like the interception to Casey Hayward in the end zone. Um, but he runs around. He's viable this week. And then I think you have to play Darius Slayton. But it's Slayton, Daniel Jones, and Saquon Barkley. I was really disappointed, Ross, in the game from Evan Ingram. Two yeah. catches for nine yards on seven targets. It, 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 we're at the point. Do you think it's fair to wonder if this kid's got it? He was terrible. Yeah. Uh, he missed several blocks as well. He dropped passes. He was terrible. Yeah, he, he, was was, awful. he really was. He was awful. I mean, just, just uh, it's be, it's fair to wonder if this kid's got it at this stage. Maybe you fire him up for one more week, though, because as I mentioned when we talked about Detroit, Chicago gave up the big game to TJ Hawkinson last week. Okay, let's get to the Chicago side of it and what you're doing there. Well, um, I'm playing Allen Robinson. I, I got so many questions about Allen Robinson this week, and people are like, oh, my God, they're going to cut him. They're going to trade him. And I'm like, Allen Robinson's just doing the same thing Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook did, and they just got paid. And I understand maybe you don't think Chicago's front office is, is particularly good, um, but uh, Allen Robinson is in your lineups this week. I think Anthony Miller, though his routes and snaps were down, is a viable player out of the slot. Uh, we saw what Juju Smith-Schuster did. And in a close game, I think David Montgomery is viable. I Montgomery didn't do anything special, but I was encouraged to see him Average basically five yards per carry. Um, he caught a pass on three targets. I think he's viable this week. I was disappointed, though, in Tariq Cohen's role. Just two catches for six yards. If he's not catching passes, he's useless for fantasy. 11 games in the books. There's only five late games. There's, well, three late games, a Sunday nighter and a Monday nighter. That is what we will hit in part two 
of the Fantasy Feast podcast this week, which you can check out on these exact same podcast apps or youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL shortly after midnight. It'll be there. Joe and I will record it now. I'm stuffed. I got a little bit of room for dessert. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.